Thank you for listening to the Calvary Chapel Lubbock podcast with our senior pastor, Ben Martinez. Don't forget to check out our website at calvarychapellubbock.church. There you'll find a lot more about our mission to love God, love people, and live radically. Now here's Pastor Ben. The greatest threat to the kingdom of God and to the church of Jesus Christ today is the carnal, compromising, and worldly Christianity the devil is generating to destroy the faith that was once delivered to the saints. That's the greatest threat. And so I take a step back and I go, wow, what's going on in the world today? Well, there's no secret today, church, that we're living in perilous times. Now, the word perilous, I understand. The theological, you go, what does that mean? Well, here's what I found. If you're taking notes, the word perilous in the Greek is chalpeo, and what it means is a perilous, dangerous, terrible, grievous, stressful, come on somebody, distressing, difficult time. You see, we sound very theological when we say we're living in perilous times. But quite honestly, we're stressed out of our heads of what's going on in the world. You see, it's no secret. It's no secret. It's no secret, church, that the world has gone crazy in this last days. The world has gone crazy. I was in a board meeting this past week where I found that the United Kingdom was trying to legalize bestiality. The world has gone crazy. We see sin. We see evil on the rise. And the God of this world is pouring out His final attack on both a believing world, listen to me, and an unbelieving world. You know that we're living in crazy times. But we understand that the world is going to be the world. We get that. The world is going to be the world. We're not going to change the world. But here's what saddens me, is when the church is no longer the church. Now, before we jump into our study for today, labor with me for just a moment as I share some sad statistics about our current situation in the world. You see, it was the other night, I was in my hotel room, and I was flipping through the channels, and I came across a Christian program that's called TCB. TCB, Christian Program. Now... The program, as I watched, caught my attention because it started talking about what Paul is going to address. He started talking about the world we live in. And I sat there for a moment, stunned, and I was like, what's going on? The program went on to say that domestic abuse, teen pregnancy, human trafficking, homelessness, hunger, divorce, needy and hurting children, And the list goes on and on. And it talked about the deep problems facing individuals. 
deep problems facing families, deep problems facing neighborhoods and community on a daily basis. And of course, now my interest is peak as I sit there going, wait a minute, what's going on here? And here's what I learned in that program. It said in the recent year, 47,000 individuals committed suicide in this country. 47,000. I learned that 70,000 people died of a drug overdose. And I also learned in this program that many more died because of alcohol addiction. And of course, I'm sitting there stunned watching and, and I'm learning, and not to mention obesity in this country, not to mention the opioids addiction, how they're lacing opioids with fentanyl, teen pregnancy, and so much more. i got to be honest with you, church. I sat there. I was blown away as I watched the program. And yet, I know this is the world. This is the world. But what made me sad is when the world begins to creep into the church. And when the church is no longer the church, and we're not any different from the world, that's what saddens me. As a matter of fact, the Apostle Paul, in writing to Timothy, in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 1-9, through 9, Remember, Paul tells Timothy how terrible things are going to be in the last days. But what we need to grasp is it's because the world isn't any different. But something's changed in the church. Paul writes this, 2 Timothy, you can listen up or watch it on the screen. 2 Timothy chapter 3, 1 through 9 says, but know this. In the last days, perilous times will come. What's Paul doing? He's warning, he's warning Timothy about the things to come in the last days. These are things that are coming. But the warning is for you and I as well. For he goes on to say, men will be lovers of themselves. Lovers of money. They will be boasters. They will be proud. They will be blasphemers, disobedient to parents. They will be unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers, without self-control. They will be brooders, brutal, despisers of good. They will be traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. And here's the one that you need to see. They will have a form of godliness but deny its power. Paul warns Timothy, from such people, turn away. For of these sort, those who creep into the household make captives of gullible women, loaded down with sins, led away by various lusts, always learning, but never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. Your attention, please. I understand the world is going to be the world. But what Paul wants to make sure is the world doesn't creep in so that we have the same attributes and characteristics that we see in the world. You and I need to be different. You and I to be different. Paul is telling Timothy, this is, this is going to be terrible in the end. Because even the church could get this way. You see, it breaks my heart, church, when I hear of people who love God, but find themselves in a dark and lonely path like the one Paul describes. It breaks my heart. You go, what do you mean? Well, let me illustrate it and see if I can drive this home. 
I was driving this week to New Mexico. I was headed for a board meeting. And on Wednesday, I usually preach at the church first, and then we have the board meeting the next day. Well, you know Wednesday we were at what? This was a high wind warning. Well, in Lubbock, Texas, if there's high wind, that's kind of normal. Oh, it's high wind. But I left here, and it was, it was, it was, yes, very, from Lubbock all the way to Albuquerque, there was much more than just, hey, it's high wind. There was a warning. There was a warning. And it said the warning that there was wind gusts ranging from 20 to 80 miles an hour. And I'm like, okay, okay. More specifically on I-40, as you go through, if you've ever been through I-40 from Santa Rosa all the way to Albuquerque, you know there's some valleys that get some huge wind gusts. And so I had to be super careful. As a matter of fact, as I was driving, I did see one tractor trailer rolled over. The truck's on the road, I'm sitting there, and they've got their flashers on because they're weaving side to side, and I'm in my car, and I'm holding on to the steering wheel, and I'm going, wow, this is, this is crazy. And I would, I would come up to a truck, and I'm like, okay, you have to make the decision to pass. You can't sit there with them with that because you just don't know how bad the wind is. And so I'd step on the gas, and I'd pass them, and then I'd hit a wind gust, and I'm in the car doing this a little bit, you understand. And I thought, wow. And you go, Pastor, what, what is your point? Here's my point. You ready? And you need to grasp this. Sometimes in the car as I drove from Lubbock to Albuquerque, in the car I was being tossed to and fro by some of those strong winds. You go, in the car? Yeah, in the car. You kind of do this a little bit. And as I came across and a gust would sweep across the valley... I got to tell you, I was determined to keep my course. I was determined to get to my destination. You see, I couldn't control the weather. I couldn't control the wind, but I could control my driving. And I could carefully make my way to my destination. You see, in the car, I made sure that I had plenty of gas. Why? Because with 80-mile-an-hour winds, you don't want to run out of gas. I made sure that the windshields were proper. Because at 80-mile-an-hour winds, you want to have windshields to block out the wind. I want to make sure that I was full of oil and the motor ran super well. Because when I was about to pass a dangerous situation, whether the truck would move or not, I wanted to make sure that I had enough power to get past the truck. Wait, 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 Ben, what are you saying? I took every precaution in my little car to make sure that I could get where I was supposed to get. You go, yeah, okay, calm down. No, 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 listen, listen. In the same way that you and I cannot control the world... We cannot control, I couldn't control, I couldn't say stop, I don't, please don't let the, the wind was coming no matter what. In the same way, when I cannot control the world and what's going on out there, I believe sometimes believers spend way too much time trying to change what they cannot. We got to change the world. We got to change the world. 
But what we can, what we can do, is move forward in faith until we reached our destination. Okay? So what did you do? I couldn't control the weather. But I had to make sure I got to my destination. You guys tracking with me? Now listen, listen. I had, I had two choices. You go, what were they? One of the choices was to stop and not go any further. The wind will calm down eventually, but I'm going to stop right here. I'm going to stop in Santa Rosa. I'm not going anywhere. I'm going to sit right here. I'm going to go to sleep. I'm going to wait. I don't know how long it's going to take, or I could push to until I get to my destination. And I believe that that's what Paul is trying to communicate with us. You go, what's that? Even in stressful, perilous times, you and I can stay rooted and grounded in our faith until we get home. That's what Paul is trying to say. As a matter of fact, if you're taking note, jot this down, because Jesus told us the same thing. Over in John chapter 17, verse 9, reading from the New Living Translation, Jesus says, my prayer is not for the world, but for those you have given me, because they belong to you. You go, Pastor, what do you say? what's he saying? Jesus says, I'm not praying for the world to change. I understand this is the world. But I'm praying for you to continue as my disciple. As my disciple. That's what Jesus told us. Now, very quickly, very quickly, you remember what we learned last week. In chapter 3, verse 1, Paul writes, For this reason I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus, for you Gentiles... And then what does he see? He says, he, he gives us a pause. He starts to reflect. It's, it's called a parenthetical verse. And so he stops. He goes, oh, this is going to hit them. This is going to be very weighty. I need to make sure. These, the church needs to know I love them. And then he spends 12 verses explaining to the Ephesians the reason that he suffered and that there was beaten and all of these things. Now you remember... Let me, jar, let, me, let me jar your memory for a second. You remember that Paul is writing to the Ephesian Christians from a confinement in a Roman imprisonment. But rather than identify himself as a prisoner of the Roman government, he looks beyond that. He looks beyond the earthly power and identifies him as a prisoner of Jesus Christ. And then reminds them, that they're under the dispensation of grace. And the mystery of the church was how the Jews and the Gentiles would be joint heirs and make up one glorious body of Christ. That's what he's saying. And now, as we come to verses 14 through 21, Paul once again prays for the body of the believers. But what I want you to see and and I want you to grasp is Paul doesn't, it's not your typical prayers for people. It's not your typical prayers. You see, many times we'll gather in prayer meetings. And can I just say this to you? I believe our prayer meetings are the nucleus, the power of the church. But many times in our prayer meetings, we'll pray for those 
that are hurting. We'll pray for those that are broken. We'll pray for those that have lost their jobs. We'll pray for those that are even struggling with addictions and so forth. God, please. God, please. Now, I truly believe that God hears those prayers. I believe that when we gather together and pray, he's in the midst of those prayers. And I think it's just an honorable thing to pray for people. And we don't have to be specific. God knows the prayers. But if the person says, this is what I want you to pray for, then we pray for that those people. Amen? Okay, you with me. But Paul goes deeper. Paul shows us something that's just unbelievable. I'm calling this message the perfect prayer for perilous times. And you go, why? He's going to give us five prayers. He's going to pray five specific prayers to help the believer reach his God-given destination. Now, here's what you need to understand. Paul understands that the people have a solid foundation of faith. Okay, chapters 1 through 3, Paul's already said, listen, I understand you are fully devoted followers of Christ. I get that. You should already have, you should know who you are. You should know where you've been. You should know where the foundation is. He knows that. This is where he spends the first three chapters. So he says, okay, you should have that foundation of faith. So this serves as a warning to us that we should have a foundation of faith. And we have to be careful that we don't have well, what I call a formaldehyde faith. You go, wait, what? See, if you recall, in our introduction, Paul, again, is writing to fully devoted followers of Christ. In Ephesians, the believers are transferred to heavenly places. Then we're justified before God and by God. And also the Ephesian believers, you and I, represent one heavenly bride and are united with Christ. We have to understand that. Well, Ben, you said something about a formaldehyde, a formaldehyde faith. Yes, here's what formaldehyde is. It's a colorless gas that consists of carbon, hydrogen, uh, hydrogen and oxygen, has a sharp, irritating odor... And when dissolved in water, it's used to disinfect and prevent decay. Formaldehyde is sometimes used as a part of the embalming process to preserve dead bodies. You go, well, Ben, what are you saying? You have to understand the first three chapters. You need to understand who you are in Christ. Because if you don't, you might end up with a formaldehyde faith. Meaning? That you have a dead, stiff, non-existent faith in the living God. And if I was your enemy, church, that's the one thing that I would do to try to get you 
to backslide is remind you, you don't have a foundation of faith, you have a formaldehyde faith. And you guys know about a formaldehyde faith. How so? Well, think about it like this. It's, um, it's sometimes a sharp, irritating odor, isn't it? The formaldehyde of faith. Because it's like, I believe, but you really don't. Well, I trust. No. Or sometimes it's like, you ready? You ready? Why me? God, why me? Why me? You have to understand who you are in the first three chapters. You have to square with that because it's nothing you've done. It's who God is in you. And so Paul says, okay, everybody got that? You go, okay, I got that. Everybody got that? Yes. Now I need to pray for you. You ready? Picking it up in verse 14, Paul says, For this reason, I bow my knee to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, and from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. Again, for this reason, Paul says, what reason? The reason that he stressed, the reason that he suffers, the reason that the world is going crazy. Listen to me. The reason that the church is starting to sneak, or the world's starting to sneak into the church, and that we have beautiful, wonderful Christians that seem they can't get it together, and their faith in one minute, they're excited about God, and the next, they're down in the valley. And a couple of weeks later, they're up, fired up by God, and the next week, they're down in the valley. Paul says, for this reason, for this reason, for this reason, those are going to be tough times. I, Paul says, I bow my knee to the Father. He goes into prayer. And all of us would love to have the Apostle Paul praying for us, but I want to know what he's going to pray for specifically. You see, Paul understands and he's resuming the thread from verse 1 of chapter 3. For this reason, you have such, such standing in God's church. Paul is going to pray for God's grace to be understood through the Holy Spirit. Paul is going to pray for everyone in heaven and in earth, the whole family of God. Now listen, in order for us to be able to receive God's grace the way he intends and for it to change us in a positive way, we need a change of heart. We need a change of heart. We need something deep inside us to move. And that's exactly what Paul is praying for today. He's praying for hearts that can receive God's grace. You ready? Here's how he prays. But before I jump into that, I want to ask you a question. I want you to put in your thinking caps. If the Apostle Paul was going to pray for you, how do you think he would pray? For some of you, he might pray, hey, Paul, pray that I get a good job. Pray that I get a job. Pray that I make decent money to provide for my family. Paul, pray that um, this toe that's broken would heal, Paul. Pray that I could get that promotion. Pray that my cousin Earl would stop drinking. I really hope none of you are Earl in here. <laughs> 
pray that my aunt and uncle would not get a divorce. Pray, Paul, pray. What would you pray? Paul, would you pray that Jimmy would be healed? Of course. All good prayers. Let me take you a little deeper. You see, it's much more than this. Look at verse 16. The first thing you need to write down on your notes is you need to pray for inner strength through the Spirit. That's our prayer. Pray for inner strength through the Spirit. Look at verse 16. That He would grant to you according to the riches of His glory. Now think about this. This is the riches of God's glory. Now He's not just rich. He's richy, rich, rich. You understand that? And we're praying, listen, we're praying according to His riches. We're not praying according to our riches or our knowledge. He's going, God, God, according to your riches. What would he pray? Well, you've got all the riches in heaven. What's he going to pray? Are we going to pray, God, make my marriage work? God, I pray. No, no, no. He says, listen, here's what we're going to pray for. We're going to pray that you would be strengthened with might through the Spirit, through His Spirit in the inner man. Inner man. This is such an amazing prayer. How so? Let me unpack it a little bit. Paul prays for the Ephesians to experience inner strength. Inner strength. You see, he didn't sit there and say, um, I pray that Joe hits the ball straight in golf. He didn't say that. I'm tired of fishing it out of the lake. I mean, he didn't, Paul didn't pray that. Love you, buddy. He didn't pray that Mike would... I'm not saying anything to Mike. I've seen him shoot. <laughs> you know what he said? Listen, you've got to grasp this, church, because it's going to change your life. He said, we need to bow before God the Father and pray that He will empower believers through His indwelling presence in their lives. This is what he said. You see, when I'm driving, I couldn't change the world. I can't change the wind. I can't change the weather. But I had the power of the motor and the gasoline and the oil and all the things working in conjunction so that I can get to my destination. Paul says... Guys, listen, you need to pray. Listen, guys, you need to pray for that inner strength through the Spirit. I want to strengthen your inner man. I want to strengthen your inner... You're already saved. You're already saved. What's pulling you back into the world? What's pulling you back into drinking? What's pulling you back into pornography? What's pulling you... You need to be strengthened is what he's saying. You need to be strengthened. And I love that he says we're strengthened in the inner man. You see, oftentimes we're strengthened in the outer man. How so? Well, what happens if you want to strengthen the outer man? You go to the gym. I'm going to go to the gym. All right. And I've seen this happen over and over and over. First time newbies in the gym, they walk in and they're like, 
they got the cutoff shirt, right? And they're walking in, they're like, and they start to pick up the heaviest weight they can find. And then they realize they can't pick it up. And you just kind of, and they'll put it down and, and, and I saw this. I saw one kid, he went in there and, and he puts on some 45s on the bench press and he goes, Foom. why? He's trying to strengthen the outer man. And so he'll get up and take some off and, you know, and then he gets to the point and you go, Pastor, yeah, but think about this. Let's just say you go, I'm going to go work out. I haven't worked out in a long time. What's going to happen? You're going to get sore, aren't you? You're going to get sore. And what really bugs me is that if I miss a week of working out and I'll start again tomorrow, I'm sore like I've never worked out before. We start out weak, but in starting is the first step. The weights or the trainer help us to see our weakness. So too, the precious Holy Spirit helps us to see our weakness so that we can be filled with God's strength. You see, your prayer is, God, where is my weakness and I need to be filled and my inner man needs to be strengthened in that area. It's here. And i got to be honest with you. Listen to me, church. Most people don't tap into the riches that we have in Christ to fill our weakness. We don't tap into that. We miss it. The enemy says, just read over that. Keep going. Keep moving. And we believe that Christianity is a simple prayer, and then we just get saved, and now we start walking, and we sort of stumble through life, hoping that maybe, oh, it's going to be, oh, well. And we learn some things along the way, and Paul says, you're not tapping into the riches that you have. Do you realize that the Holy Spirit that raised Christ from the dead lives in you? I didn't know that. I didn't know that. So what should we pray for? We should pray. This is a prayer for perilous times. Pray that, the, that your inner man would be strengthened by faith. Lord, strengthen me. Strengthen me. When you're tempted to watch something that you're not supposed to watch, you don't hear the pastor's voice and you don't hear your wife's voice going, do you really think you should be watching that? You hear God's Holy Spirit going, I'm strengthening you not to watch that. When your old friends come knocking, you go, hey, you want to go out? You want to go? You want to hang? You want to you do a little hey? You go, no, no, my, uh-uh. You see, because I already know who I am in Christ. I need to be strengthened in that. When God puts you in positions, church, where you're going to be able to witness and evangelize, and you go, I don't know what to say, you pray for the inner man to be strengthened. So you go, hey, I'm going to share my faith. I'm going to share my faith. Number two. Number two. Paul continues. Write this down. Pray, pray for Christ to dwell in your hearts through faith. Pray, for Christ to dwell in your hearts through faith. Look at, let's read 16 and 17 again. That he would grant you according to the riches of his glory and, and be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man. That Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, 
that you being rooted and grounded in love. When perilous times come against the believer, we must pray that Christ dwells. If you have a pencil handy, circle that word, underline that word, highlight that word, why it's a very interesting word. It's a word in the Greek that's made up of two words, but you can simply write this, to house permanently, to house permanently. What does that mean? Christ is not a renter or a roommate. You understand that. Christ is not a renter or a, hey, I've got a room to rent. Lord, Lord, hey, Lord, what are you doing? Listen, listen, I've got a room in the house. You want to just rent it? Listen, you can rent it. Though The rest of the house, you can kind of hang out if you want to. And from time to time, you're walking through the house of your heart, and he, and you say, Lord, hey, listen, um, there's some stuff in the fridge. Don't worry about that. That's mine. I'm, I'm cool. Um, but but listen, if you want to grab some Vienna sausages or whatever, that's yours. Go ahead. And, and, and this that's not what Paul's saying. Paul's saying is you need to pray for Jesus to live in your heart permanently. That's what the word means, permanently. Permanently. You see, the heart in the ancient Greek and Jewish, it represents the essential aspects of existence and identity. This is our heart. The inner being, the inner will, and the inner intelligence. This is what Paul prays. Because dwell has three components. To house permanently, to be rooted and grounded, to settle down and feel at home. My question to you and to me this morning, church, is does Christ feel at home in your heart? Does He feel at home? You know exactly what I'm talking about because there are some homes you go into and you don't feel at home. Hey, come on over. We're going to have some coffee and some cookies. And you come in and you don't feel at all like you can take off your shoes and jump on the couch and, and just feel at home. And there's other places that you go and you go, wow, I just feel at home. And you know that you can go to their fridge and open it up and get whatever you want and, and you just feel at home. My question is, does Christ feel at home in every area of your heart? Or are there some rooms that you're not allowing him to go into? Come on, someone. This is a great prayer when life seems to get crazy. You see, when the world tries to drown you or to draw you away, does the Lord feel at home in your heart? Here's why. Listen to me. As the Holy Spirit fosters a love for Jesus in you, Jesus dwelling in your heart through faith. One of the signs of a true Christian is a deep love for Jesus himself, for his work on the cross, and for saving us from our sins. Guys, think about what he said. That's what the Holy Spirit does. Why do you do what you do? It should be because I love Jesus. And he has my whole heart. How many of you are so excited to get to heaven? You're like, I'm ready to go. But heaven is not heaven if you don't love Jesus. Jesus has got to be everything. Jesus has got to be everything. Do you love Jesus? 
If you go, yes, pastor, I love Jesus. See, that's the Holy Spirit. That's the Holy Spirit. Pastor, I've got to be honest with you. Sometimes I, I love God, don't get me wrong. And that's when you'll find a well-meaning, beautiful believer that goes, I love God, but I'm stranded over here in sin. I'm broken again, but I love God. And, and, and you and I, when we get judgmental, come on, somebody, we look at him and go, if you really love God, you wouldn't be over here. It's just that he's missing the Holy Spirit and going, oh, I need to strengthen the inner man. And the Holy Spirit will just create a beautiful love for Jesus. And I'll say, man, I love Jesus. With all of my heart, I love Jesus. And when Jesus strengthens your heart and the love for Christ fills your heart, it becomes possible to live victoriously. That's it. That's it. What should we pray for? Pray that Christ feels at home. You might have to do some cleaning. You might have to do a closet that needs to be cleaned. Some of you need to clean the kitchen. Others need to clean out the whole heart. But Christ, I want you to feel at home in my heart. I want you to feel at home in my heart. And I have to be careful because what I put through my eye gate, what I put through my ear gate, is going to eventually affect my heart. And I have to be careful because I want Christ. I don't want Christ. I don't want, I don't want to be like, uh, Lord, go, go in the other room. I'm going to, I want the Lord go. You have, you have full reign. And you know what Jesus is going to do? He's going to come in your heart and he's going to say, hey, hey, can I go in that back room? No! Hey, hey, can I go? Let's go in the back room. I promise. I promise it. It's only going to hurt for a moment, but I want to clean it out. Lord, you can't clean it out. No, listen. In that back room, there's cobwebs. It's dusty. There's no light in here. There's, there's curtains are dirty. Can I go in the back room? And you get to the point where you go, yes, Lord, go. And he cleans it up. And you go, Lord, that hurt. Because it does hurt. It brings up old wounds. It brings up things that you don't want to deal with. But he cleans it out and he freshens it up. And you go, Lord, my whole house is yours. And he goes, and, and, and then when he walks in, he's not a roommate. And he's not a renter. He's living there with you. He's living there with you. I was trying to think of analogy, basically. And I was thinking this morning as I was studying, I was going, it's kind of like when you get married, is it not? Because your wife is not your roommate. She's your wife. And she's coming to dwell permanently. And does your wife feel comfortable there? Does your husband feel comfortable there? Because you're making it both your house, not just one. Can you imagine if you get married and you felt like a roommate? Uh, Nathalie, can I touch the... Oh! Those are your juices? Okay. I don't get paid till next week, but can I have... No? Okay. How awkward would that be? Can you imagine if you're getting ready for bed and she looks at you and goes, what are you doing? Uh, I'm going in there. So I don't... That would be silly because we're, 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 we're creating a home together. Same thing with Jesus. Number three, Paul prays that you would be rooted and grounded in love. Pray that you would be rooted and grounded in love. And you've got to catch this, church. You've got to catch this. Why? Two operative words here. Rooted, what does that mean? It means to dive deep into the soil where you draw your life from. This is what you need to do. You need to have strong roots. Boom, that's where you need to get it. That's where the water is. And he says, grounded, that means deeply founded. You need to have this. See, the words being rooted and grounded are in the perfect tense um, in the Greek text. And they're a result. Everybody say result. 
of the strengthening in the spirit and the consequent at-homeness of the Lord Jesus Christ in the believer's heart and his fellowship with him. You see, when you're strengthened in the inner man and now Christ lives at home, that's when your roots are going to go deep into life in him. Rooted and grounded. Rooted and grounded. Rooted and grounded. You know, my silly analogy of driving the car in the middle of the wind, I can't, I can't change the wind, and I can't change the world. But you know what? You know how I'm rooted and grounded? My tires were good, and they were always stayed on the road. In the same way, think about this. Think about this. It's most amazing how Paul just continues to what? To build on each other. Okay, so, so first thing I'm going to pray for, I'm going to pray for old Jim to, no, I'm going to pray that your inner man is strengthened, strengthened, that you're strong on the inside. And I'm going to pray that Christ just feels wonderfully at home in your heart. And I'm going to pray that your life is rooted and grounded deep, deep, deep where life, where the life-giving water is. Wow. Wow. Growing up in New Mexico when I was a kid, we weren't given allowance. Maybe you grew up and you got allowance. We weren't given. You know what my allowance was? You know what my um, GoFundMe was? Get out there and pull weeds. That was my GoFundMe. And so I'd go to the neighbor and I'd go, Hi, I'm trying to earn some money, you know. Um, you seem like you got a lot. Of, would you like me to cut? Oh, I would love for you, young men, to cut the weeds. And so, what do you start off? You start off with the little weeds, and you start pulling them. And say, oh, this will be a cinch. And then you get to the bigger weeds. Now, you don't know New Mexico until you realize there's weeds this tall, and the stalk is this big. And so you gather around, and 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 you don't want to cut the stalk. You don't want to cut. You don't have nothing to grasp. And I'm telling you, we would cut weeds where half the dirt would come up. You pull the weed and it looked like a stalk like this. And I'm like, wow, what a stubborn weed. And then you'd forget all about the GoFundMe and you go home because you're not going to mess with a hundred, you know, a big old yard full of these. And I started to think about that. And I think that's how the Lord wants us, guys, when it comes that you are so rooted and grounded that nobody's going to pull you up. There's nothing that's going to take you back into the world. The perilous times are going to come and you're going to stand rooted and grounded. You're going, I'm not going that way. Oh, the winds may blow you, may, may move you around just a bit, but you're still focused on your destination. You're still going home. You're still going home. And the enemy comes and looks at you and says, I'm going to try to pull this weed out. He's going, you can try. I'm rooted and grounded in God. How do we get rooted and grounded? Got to be in His Word. You got to have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. You got to pray for the inner man to be strengthened, and you got to believe it. Well, what happens when I mess up? What happens when I sin? What happens when I have a bad thought? Quickly, 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 quickly repent of that. Quickly ask for forgiveness, and go back to being rooted and grounded. You see, because God doesn't expect you to be perfect, but He does expect you to be rooted and grounded in Him. Rooted and grounded in Him. Number four. 
Paul prays for our hearts to grasp the greatness of Christ's love. Look at verse 18. And you may be able to comprehend, guys, that means understand, with all the saints, that is, what is the width, the length, the depth, and the height, to know the love of Christ with passage knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Fourth prayer that Paul prays is that your hearts to understand, to fully grasp the greatness of Christ's love. I pray that you have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, and how deep His love is for you. Let's unpack it just a little bit. When you think about width, that illustrates an accepting love. Do you realize that through Jesus Christ, He has accepted you just the way you are? Just the way you are. How wide is His love? Come on, guys. Come on. If you're having trouble sleeping at night, be strengthened in your inner man. Have Christ dwell in your heart. And now, guys, think about it. Understand that his love is an accepting love. But it's also a length. What does that mean? It's a lasting love. It's a lasting love. It's a forever lasting love. Wow. But he says it's the depth. What is that? That illustrates the sacrificial love. While we were yet sinners... Christ died for us. What a sacrifice. What a sacrifice. Now listen to me. You may not like you, but Christ loves you and accepts you. And it's a lasting love. But then he says the height, the height. Let's think about this. And that's an exalting love. That's an exalting love. Paul writing, he says this, remember the hostility between Jews and Gentiles. Do you guys remember that? The hostility, the oh. He says, Christ's love for the Jew and the Gentile. Christ's love is for the Jew and the Gentile. Christ's love is for the white, the black, the Hispanic, the Asian. Christ's love is for the rich, the poor, the middle class. The grade grade A students are the dropouts. Those struggling with obvious sins, Christ's love is for you. Those struggling with hidden sins, Christ's love is for you. You see, Christ is available for anyone, no matter what you've done or haven't done. You see, Christ opens his arms and embraces everyone, no matter how broken. That's Christ's love. You see, when I say that Jesus loves you, think about an accepting love, Think about a lasting love, think about a sacrificial love, and think about an exalting love. That's far beyond everything. And then Paul says, let me give you one last prayer. But before we do, think about what he says. One final thought on this prayer about the height and depth. Christ evokes the boundless nature of his love for you. For you. Last one, prayer number five. A perfect prayer for perilous times. Pray that you would be filled with the fullness of God. 
you, you, are you grasping what Paul's praying here? Are you grasping it? Because again, we pray, God, please. And God, and he's like, no, listen, you're already believers. You already have the Holy Spirit inside you. I need to pray that that would be strengthened, that God would, that he would. And now he's saying that you would be filled with all the fullness of God. Look at verse 19. To know the love of Christ, which surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Guess what God wants? God wants us to experience his fullness. And here's what it means. Filled unto all the fullness of God is a more accurate translation. What does this mean? You ready? This means our fullness is the Holy Spirit. And the measure of our fullness is God himself. Okay? God wants you to be filled with all of him. Let me, re- let me take you back to Acts chapter 1, verse 8. Do you guys remember that? Jesus goes to heaven and he says, I'm going to send you the helper. I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit, the comforter. And Why? And here's why. Think about this. Acts says, he says, think about the Holy Spirit indwelling. Think about it. Think about it, right? And you shall have power and the Holy Spirit comes upon you and he's going to live inside you and the Holy Spirit's going to guide you and he's going to be, it's all the fullness of God inside you. And I'm thinking about Old Testament saints. I'm thinking about Moses. Guys, I'm thinking about Moses and I'm thinking about all those guys that would have, they would have killed to have the holy, to, to have the fullness of God inside them. They lost, what? What? And you go, yeah. We, we get to live in such an amazing time that God says, listen, here's my prayer. The full, all of God, all of God would just live inside you. All of God, the fullness of God. And I'm thinking, wow. I'm thinking this just blows my mind. Why? Because because we, we go, no, no, Jesus, don't go away, don't go away. We need you here to do the resurrected place. Jesus, no, 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 listen, listen, here's how I'm gonna this is how the fullness of God is gonna fill each one of your hearts. The fullness of God through the power of his Holy Spirit. Through the power of his Holy Spirit. This is how it's gonna be. Oh, okay, okay. And the Old Testament saints are going, Wow. Seriously? Now I don't know if they're looking down on us. I know the angels are. We saw that, right? The angels are going, wow. But I wonder if the Old Testament saints, if they could look down on us and they realize that all of the fullness of God, we have that power. We can walk in victory and we end up over here in a very dark and and, 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 and horrible place. I wonder if they're like, you're missing it. Why are you here? Why are you here? And I just wonder, church, how many times you and I, we miss the power to help us walk victoriously. Now listen to me. Don't misunderstand me. I'm not saying to walk. You're not perfect. You're still going to blow it. There's things. You're still going to fight with your spouse. There's still going to be arguments. I get that. But it's not going to be anything like the world. You see, the fullness of God is the totality of everything God is. His attributes, His character, His perfection, His holiness, His power, His love. The fullness of God is, com- is His complete nature and who He is. 
And God, this is what Paul is praying for you and I, that you would be filled with God. Be filled with God. Question, how is your prayer life going to change knowing how to pray for believers? Oh, I still believe we're going to pray for those that don't have a job to get a job. Amen. Lord, work out, find favor. Amen. But more importantly, we're going to pray that those of us that seem to struggle, we're going to pray that God would strengthen that inner man and that Christ would dwell in their hearts and they would be rooted and grounded and they would know the greatness of love for you and that at the end of the day, you would be filled with God completely. Completely. You, you get that, right? You get that. I mean, think about these prayers. They're much different than what we pray. See, these are powerful prayers in perilous times. Uh, Francis Fulcus, a theologian and commentator, expresses the heart of this verse like this. He said, quote, He, Paul, thus prays ultimately that they may receive not another attribute of God or any gift of His, not love, not knowledge, not strength, alone, or in combination. He prays, but no less than the very highest he can pray for, that the full indwelling of God. The full indwelling of God. Okay, we're going to close. Let's close with the last two verses. Don't close your Bibles, though. We've got two verses left. Paul prays, and he says this, Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all we could ask or think, according to the power that works in us, to him be the glory in the church of Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. This is how he closes his prayer. He's going, listen, I've prayed and now I believe. Now him who is able to do it, who is able to do it. Now, listen to me. Listen to me. There's a couple of things that are happening here. Paul is preparing us, okay? He's preparing us for chapters 4, 5, and 6. Because chapters 4, 5, and 6 are, are what we call um, basically kingdom business. I've prepared you. I've prayed for you. I told you who you are. You have the Holy Spirit. Now, let's go to work. Now, let's go to work. This is how you behave, Okay? We cannot reverse that. You understand. We cannot be over here going, oh, 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 I'm going to modify my behavior. I'm going to do what I want to do. And then hopefully if I just continue to uh, behave good, eventually I'll fall in love with Jesus. That's not where it doesn't work, does it? We fall in love with God. We understand who we are. We pray for the fullness. We ask for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. We walk in unity. We don't walk in division. We just continue to feel that. And what happens is all of a sudden, the natural byproduct in you is going to go, oh, now I know how to behave. Now I know how to behave. This is how I behave. This is how I behave. The second thing that's happening, guys, is perilous times are coming. We know that we can't change the world, but if you're going to make your destination, you need to stay strong or they can fall in despair. How so? Pray today that your inner man would be strengthened through Christ. How do I do that? 
God, fill me with your spirit. I need you to strengthen me on the inside. Father, I have a problem with lust. Strengthen me so I don't lust. God, I have a problem with smoking. Strengthen me so I don't smoke. God, I have a problem with whatever it might be. Or maybe you're just saying, strengthen me. Because I don't know whether they're out those doors. I don't know what's going to happen. Number two, pray that Christ to dwell in your hearts day in and day out. And do me a favor, don't give Christ an eviction notice. He wants to feel at home. He wants to kick off his shoes. He wants to converse with you in ways. He wants to talk. There are days he wants to, he, he, he just wants to see what's going on in your life and there's other days he wants to talk real deep and he wants to work out some of those issues you have. That's the beauty of Jesus. There are days he would love to sit on the couch with you and watch what you're watching. Just be careful what you're watching. Why? Well, now you're legalistic. I'm not legalistic because I'm telling you right here, when you strengthen the inner man, you go, oh, I don't, I don't want to watch this. Jesus, do you want to watch this? No, I don't want to watch this. Pastor Ben, you don't understand the world today. There's nothing to watch. Then don't watch anything. I'm not being legalistic. I'm trying to strengthen you for when the world, the world is about to come. Pray today that your roots would go down so deep and they would be grounded and they would be rooted in Him. Lord, Make me one of those stubborn weeds like in New Mexico for you. That no matter what happens, it's going to take a bulldozer to get me out. I don't know, that's how deep I want to go. And if for some reason I get rooted out, I'm taking every bit of soil around me. I'm not going to be rooted out. I want it that deep. But not only that, guess where roots go? Roots go where the water is. Roots go where the water is. Find the water. Find the water of the Word and go in there. In there. Pray to him that you understand. Pray, God, help me understand the greatness of Jesus' love for me. Help me understand the greatness of Jesus' love for me. Church, listen to me. Listen to me. Statistically, the 47,000 people that committed suicide last year misunderstood how beautiful and how amazing God loved them and they felt like they had no hope. We have to pray that, our, that, that we understand the greatness of, God, of God's love, of His Christ's love for you. And last but not least, guys, pray that you would be full with God in your heart and in your life. Full? Yeah. Yeah. I'm asking you to be a sponge for God. Sponge? What do you mean? Don't be a dry sponge. Be a wet sponge. You go, what do you mean? You take a sponge and you wet it and you soak it and you saturate it in a bucket of water. Guess what happens? It's now saturated, it's heavy, and it's sitting there dripping. And the world comes in and it starts to squeeze you. What comes out? The water. If you're a dry sponge and you're not saturated with anything, the world squeezes you and you just get squeezed. Be saturated. 
Be saturated with the, with, with the fullness of God in your life so that when the world squeezes, man, everything that comes out is God. Man, I can't talk to him. All he wants to do is talk about God. Man, the enemy comes in and goes, oh man, I'm trying to, I'm trying, I'm trying to persecute them and he gets more fired up with God. Exactly. Here's why. You ready? Because I can't change the wind. I can't change the weather. But I tell you what I could change. I kept my eyes focused on the destination and I made sure that the vehicle I was in had everything I needed to get to my destination. It had gas, it was full. It had oil, it was full. It was rooted, had tires, had a strong motor, the power of the Holy Spirit. And then when I got to Tejadas Canyon and I got through uh, East Mountain, started to snow. Oh Lord, not only do I have wind, but now I have slow and sne- sleep. He goes, no problem. I've equipped you with windshield wipers. Turn them on. I know it's silly, but I got to my destination. And you will too. If you're here today and you're struggling, pray these prayers. Ask us to pray to strengthen you. Heavenly Father, we thank you today for your word and the truth in your word. We thank you for your great love for us and I thank you, Lord, how amazing you are. Father, I love these people and I know you love them. Father, I've read Ephesians hundreds of times and I've never saw it so deep. Our prayer life has to change so that we pray for the greatness and the boldness and the love of people, that we're going to see victorious Christians because of the power of your Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, please forgive us for when we don't understand the power within us to grow closer to you. Forgive us, God, when we exercise the flesh more than we exercise the Spirit. Bring us back home, Jesus. Our destination awaits. With every eye closed and every head bowed, my question to you this morning is, do you know my Jesus? Have you surrendered your life to him once and for all? You see, you might be here today and you might be backslidden. You might say, yeah, I don't know. You were saying some things, Ben, and you're talking about strengthness. I don't even know if I'm the first part of Ephesians. I'm really struggling. Listen, if you're here today and you're struggling and God's knocking on your heart through the power of his Holy Spirit, he's asking you to come home today, offering you an invitation. You go, Ben, what do I have to do? In a moment, you're just going to have to raise your hand. Well, why do I have to raise my hand? I want God's Holy Spirit to see you and say that you're serious, that you're ready to return to him. Well, what happens when I raise my hand? I'll acknowledge you. I'll see you. I'll see you. And God will see you. But much more than that, much more than walking an aisle and much more than praying a prayer, that you're ready to allow the Lord to change your heart and to make you more like him. You go, well, Ben, what if nobody here raises their hand? Then I go to sleep tonight knowing that we're walking all together on the same path with Jesus. But I would pray that you would take one second under the Holy Spirit and say, Lord, where am I? Am I saved? Am I really saved? If I were to die today, would I go to heaven, Lord? I want that assurance. 
And if I'm not, then I'm going to raise my hand because I want to know. So with every eye closed, every head bowed, nobody looking around, you praying up to heaven, how many of you here today, this morning, under the power of the Holy Spirit, would say, Pastor, pray for me. I want to give my life to Jesus once and for all. Would you just lift your hand right now if God is speaking to you? I will trust in the power of His Spirit that He's going to speak to you, wherever you are with Him. If you're backslidden, or you haven't come to Him at all, or you have a doubt in your heart that you're not saved, then just raise your hand and I'll pray for you. And we'll make this thing right. Here's your invitation. Would you do that right now? I'm just going to give you just a moment. Just lift up your hand. Nobody will see you. I know it's a big decision, but it's between you and God. Lord, I thank you, God. I thank you for your grace and your mercy. I thank you, Lord. I pray these prayers for these people. Strengthen them this morning. In the beautiful name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. We hope you enjoyed today's message. We'd love to hear from you and see you in person at the church. You can find our contact information, location, and even give a donation at calvarychapellubbock.church. We'll see you next time on the podcast. Until then, may God bless you and your family.